hear him say, all of his promises are yes and amen. Not some of them, all are yes and amen. So if you find a promise in the, in the good book, it's yes. It's a yes and amen. He has saved you. He has conquered the grave just for you. And that is our gift. That is your gift. And you can take a hold of that. And Satan cannot take it from you. Because yes. that is a gift he has given you. All of his promises. Hallelujah. Amen.
know, I just keep, I just keep feeling on my heart that there are leaders in this church here and on live stream, and you're counting yourself out. You know, if you feel like you're not good enough or you've done something and it counts you out. I just need to remind you today that you are not out, okay? That his mercy is new today. Five minutes ago was the past. He forgive, he's forgiven us for that, okay? If you can't do it, then ask him for help. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we're weak, that's when we're the most strong. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So stop thinking that you're not the one. Stop waiting for somebody else. You stand in your place. You are loved with an everlasting love. And that love never dies. It's everlasting. So don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. And don't give up on God because he doesn't give up on us, right? You are more than a conqueror. And I need you to believe that and receive that. The old has fallen away. The new has come. The new has come. What does that mean? That means we can be new. We don't have to keep doing and saying and picking the things that we always do. Don't do that. God is for us. He is with us. He wants it more than we do. So stand in your place and ask God to bolden you, embolden your people, Lord. We are here for you, God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Lord, I pray that you would come today and that you would plow the hearts of every single person in here and on live stream. Lord, that today would not just be another Sunday, that today would be a day that we remember. Today would be a day that something broke off of us because of the love of Jesus, because we realized how valuable we are to the kingdom of heaven. Be strong, knowing that your brethren in the world are accomplishing the same things as you. You are not alone. You never have been. Lord, I thank you that every single person here has been called by you. Father, and I just decree today that we are not just called, but that we are chosen. Because we made the choice, God, to choose you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you love us and that you have chosen us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Thank you. Thank you, God.
morning like the Lord was impressing that he is moving on our family members today. The ones that are lost, broken, the ones you've been praying for, the ones that you've been standing in the gap for, the ones that aren't here today with us, the ones that the Lord loves just as much as he loves us ones that are wandering around out there, wondering where to go, what to do. The Lord hasn't forgotten our families. He's here to draw them close. I'm telling you, the time is coming where they're going to bend the knee for Him. The time is coming where they're going to cry out to Him, where they're going to stop resisting Him, stop kicking against those pricks, and they're going to let Him in. He's able to break a heart of stone. He's able to get in and make it soft again. He's able to protect those that you've been lifting up prayers for. They haven't gone unheard. They haven't gone unanswered, for he is able and willing to fulfill all the desires of your heart. So keep praying for those family members. They are loved by him. He has them in the palm of his hand, and he's ready to move. He's ready to move on them in their dreams when they're sleeping, and they can't fight him off. He's able to move on him whenever they're at work and they can't go anywhere else. He can develop in their thoughts. He's able to trap them in a way that he loves them so much they can't resist him anymore. Once he gets a hold of them, gets his grip on them, they're not going anywhere and they're going to become part of this fold. They're getting ready to become part of the kingdom of God for he is able and he's going to move. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Raise your hands up. Just worship him for a second. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you this morning. High above. 
Lord and our Savior. So if you feel like you've been far from home, you've been off, off the path a little bit, your, your heart's been getting hard, I encourage you to turn to him this morning. Let him do the work that only he can do today. Amen. And, and, and the wonderful thing about God is just to cry out, just to ask. And he is always moving in response to our request to him. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, bring us all home. I pray, Lord, we're walking in your paths, Lord, you're leading us and you're guiding us, Lord, for those in need of forgiveness today. I just pray that they believe not only they can ask, but you're faithful and you are just and you will forgive us our sins, Lord. And lead us in a path of righteousness. We praise you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, it's good to have you today. Go, go, give somebody a high five, love on some people, or something like that. Anyways, be blessed today and uh, love somebody. We'll, we'll be taking up offering in just a moment. Good morning, everybody. 
morning, everybody. Come on in. And we'll take up tithe and offering. Continue in our worship today as we give. Amen. How many know you're blessed by God? Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to pray over tithe and offering. If you have something to give today, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to continue in our worship and our giving today. Lord, I pray blessings on the house. I pray, Lord, in such a way that not only are our needs met every single day, this day, our daily bread, but, Lord, the overflow of our lives and other people as we do the work of the kingdom together. And I thank you for that. And we worship you today. And we live by faith in who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Bring it down if you have it this morning. Um, Vinny uh, gave me a note before church that says, this coming Saturday, the 18th, nursing home visit at Bancrest. All right, so that's at 10 a.m. So if you're interested in that, see uh, Miss Vinny back there, and they do a great job reaching out. And also, um, the 15th, that's this Wednesday, that the cards are due. So if you're doing any uh, Christmas cards for the nursing home, those are due this Wednesday. So again, get those to Vinny, and that's a good work. Don't forget that this coming Friday, where's Josh? This coming Friday, youth lock-in, right? Yes, this Friday, youth lock-in over at the Saturday. So um, if you want to help out with that and you haven't talked to Josh, see Josh. That's this Friday. They're going to be spending the night here doing some different activities and all that stuff. So 5th through 12th grade, if you need more information about that, see Josh. Wave your hand around, Josh. Yes, Miss minute. Yes. Oh, for the coffee, yes. No kidding, that's phenomenal. That's great, well good, well good. By the way, that reminds me, well, if you ever pull into our parking lot, it's full, we have permission to park at the, the funeral home next door. So just so you know that's just right across the street on the other side, so you can park over there too if you wish to. Um, other announcements is next Sunday, right after church, we have our church Christmas party, all right? And that is located at the Miller's Event Barn. And uh, for those of you that were wondering where that is, we'll caravan there after church, but it is on uh, Mechanicsburg Sanford Road. Everybody know where that is? Okay, well, that's the address I got. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll have it printed up on like a, a bunch of little pieces of paper so you can take it next week. We all can meet over there. But anyways, right after church, uh, there'll be food there. The Millers are providing food. Uh, if you guys want some desserts, bring some desserts along. They're providing the main stuff. We'll provide the desserts. Uh, for the kids, there's gonna be some cookie decorating and some other things. And then for adults, there'll be a white, a white elephant gift exchange, $10 cap, okay? So I suggested five, five on Wednesday and I got shouted down by the crowd. So $10 cap and or find something in your house you'd like to get rid of, either or. All right, so a uh, white elephant gift exchange. Anyways, that's next Sunday. We're at the church, just a little fun. And then don't forget Christmas Eve service at 6.30 um, and 21 days of prayer kicking off January. We'll give more details about that. But anyhow, uh, don't forget youth lock-in Christmas party next Sunday. All right, well, that's all I got for that. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. We are second week in our series on Advent, Christmas, and, and the season that we are in. 
Jesus is the good news of great joy. For, for whom? All, all the people. Amen. And our world needs some good news. And not only needs some good news, it needs the best news. And the best news is Jesus. I, I don't care what good news you get. The best news is Jesus. And we need him. Amen. That's what Advent's all about. Advent, the season of Advent, leading into Christmas, Christmas Day, is the meaning of, of arrival. It is the coming of Jesus, God in flesh. And see, Christmas isn't just about good feelings and, and, and presents and family and all this different stuff. And all those are good, right? Christmas is about the fact that human beings are alienated from a holy God, lost in our sin. And Christmas is about the coming of God to rectify the problem. So how did God choose to save us? That's the big story. How did God choose to save a lost and dying world? A creation that he made in his goodness and he saw it and said, this is good, it's very good. Then we did what we did as human beings in our free world. We sinned, and, and now the trajectory of the world of, of being lost in sin and things degrading and things turning out not really the way that God is intended. And God, because who He is, He's faithful and He is good and He is the wonderful Creator, decided, I'm going to save my creation, the plan from the beginning. But how did God choose to save us? That's a big deal. Corey led off this morning with Isaiah chapter 9. And in there, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government, how things will be, will be upon his shoulders. He carries it. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How does God save us? A child is born. The son is given. That the government, in other words, how things will be, how things will be run, is upon him and what he does. And the names describing him are a many faceted way of seeing that he is all in all. He is our savior. God chooses to save us by coming to us. Now you think about this for a second. You can, you can look at the history of, of uh, what man has come to believe in gods and, and deity and things of this nature. I'm not sure you're gonna find many stories where the God decided to come to us versus making us come to him. The God would take on flesh, John chapter one and verse number 14, if you wanna go there. This is the wonderful opening of the gospel of John. John chapter one, verse number 14, and the word, the, the word that is Jesus, Jesus being uh, what is supreme, he is, he is the central principle of all things, and the word became flesh. That's how God comes. And he takes on human form. Why? To save us. That our God is not a distant God, separated from us, 
not caring about us, being distracted by other things. But as the great John 3:16, for God so loved the world. Why would God want to save a messed up creation that messed itself up? Because God so loved this world. How, how many of you would readily admit that you are kind of messed up? Yeah, I, me too. I'm raising my hands. If I could, I'd raise both my feet up at the same time too. But yet God loved me. So much that he took on flesh to come to this world to save us. He's not a distant God. He, he is very aware of the, listen, the details of our mess. You know that? He's very aware. There, there is nothing that, that he is unaware of in this whole situation. Not, not us as a society, not us as a human race, and not even down to the details of my personal life that nobody else knows about. He's aware of it all. But yet, the loving creator who created in the first place loves his creation so much that we are lost in sin that he has come to save us. He reaches out. He's not distant and foreign, but he comes and gets, he gets right in the middle of our mess. I, I've heard it said that Advent is God jumping into the dumpster of humanity to save it. That's the way it He wasn't put off by it. Not so angry that he wouldn't come. But he comes and gets right in the midst of us, taking on flesh to save us. How does God save us? Well, he becomes one of us. And this great paradox that we have in the Christian faith, fully man and fully God, that is Jesus. I, I want to tell you something. God knows the very details of your life. You know that? And he still loves you. And he still cares about you. And if you are far off from him, he is still trying to come to bring you near. Even if you've rejected, even if you've run away a hundred times, even if the times your heart has gotten hard, God is still ever seeking to break into your world. That's what he does. That's Advent. That's what God does. He comes. As we read in Isaiah last week, that God would rend the heavens and come down where he did and it came in the form of a baby. That, back to verse 14. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Do you know that Jesus experienced every facet of humanity that we do? He was tempted just like we were, and are, right? As a matter of fact, the devil himself. You, you've been tempted, I'm sure, but imagine the devil himself coming to you and tempting you. Jesus faced you. You know, as a baby, uh, you know that song, Way in a Manger, No Crypt for a Bed, Little Lord Jesus Lay Down from the Head, and No Crying He Makes? I bet that wasn't true at all. He, he was a baby. He cried. He did what babies do, right? He experienced the fullness of humanity just like we do. Why? To save us. He was baptized by John the Baptist. Well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Did Jesus need to repent? No, he was sinless. Why did he do that? To identify fully with man. So he could take their sins to the cross. God in flesh, because of the love of God, he has come to save us. And we, and we see him, and watch what it says here. 
and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, in other words, he reflects the glory of God, and he comes from God full of what? Grace and truth. Amen. So he comes with a balance here. He comes with truth because he is who he is. He is truth. But then truth exposes the darkness. Listen, it, it was only by your understanding of truth that you knew you were in sin. If you didn't know truth, you wouldn't realize your sin. The law came to expose, but the truth of God exposes it overall, right? So he exposes the darkness of this world, but yet in that truth, he comes with what? Grace. That's the God who loves and the God who saves. He comes full of grace and truth. And we see the fullness of God in him. Amen. This is how our wonderful God saves. Colossians chapter 1. We read a, a couple, two or three passages here that just emphasize the point of God in flesh. If you do not believe in God in flesh in Jesus, you can't call yourself a Christian. You know that. As a matter of fact, the, the, the whole miracle of a virgin birth, Mary and the Holy Spirit overshadowing her, right? That, that, the miraculous. In other words, you cannot be a Christian and not believe in the miraculous. And certainly the, the great miracle of all is God coming in flesh. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 and, and verse number 15. And here is Paul in one of the great short passages about Jesus, about the preeminence of, of Jesus. Now, now, by the way, Colossians in part was written to combat heresy. And there was heresy coming into the church about Jesus, and it was lessening his deity. And here comes Paul. He's going to affirm this point. Watch what he says about Jesus. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, by the way, let me just stop here. Jesus was never created. John 1, we, we were just there. In the beginning was the what? And the Word was with who? God. And the Word was with God, and He was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Okay, so Jesus was never created. The God has always been, but then He took on human flesh. He didn't always have human flesh. He took on human flesh when He was born, right? Conceived and born. But He is the firstborn over all creation in that regard. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible, when a throne or dominion or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. He's the author of creation. Through him, for him, by him. Amen. And he is before all things. And watch this. Think about this. And in him all things hold together. And in a, in a way of the church, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. In other words, he is first, he is foremost, he is supreme. 
For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus comes and takes on flesh to save us. And there's, there's always this, this look at this stuff and, and study this stuff. There's always this, this theology of when did he realize who he was? When did this stuff kind of dawn? When did he start? He, he, we don't really know, but there's a lot of talk about it. But ultimately, he establishes the kingdom of God, the teachings that come with the kingdom of miracles that are signs of the kingdom. But ultimately, to get to that end point, the reconciliation part, how does God save us? Dying on a cross. Being raised from the dead. We're going from Christmas to Easter real fast here. But the point is, God comes in flesh to save us. You think about this, the fullness of God dwelt in him. That's a big statement. Now, we're going to talk about the fact that he lays that down in just a minute. But the fullness of God, the fullness of humanity in his experience was dwell in this one person, Jesus Christ. As as it was proclaimed to Mary, and and you shall give birth to a son and you shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Take that to your heart, God with who, us? God with who, me? God in flesh. There's something that should strike you and wonder about. That the God, the God who, who has the ability just to simply speak things into existence. He spoke and the cosmos is made. Think about that. That's a pretty wild stuff. But that same God would want to be God with us. God with me as an individual. In spite of knowing everything about me that can be known about me. He knows me better than I know me. He knows me to the point that he, he knows the numbers of the hair on my head, as the scriptures say, right? He knows us that much. But yet he chooses to come. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for who? Us. You, me, those who were before us, those who will come after us. Christ died for, for us. Because of his great love. So the fullness of God comes to dwell in flesh in order to save us. Go to Colossians chapter 2, jump one chapter over. Kind of reiterating the point, verse 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and what? And authority. He brings us into who he is. So much that we can be full of him. The saving act and the living with our salvation. Amen. That's why he comes. Philippians chapter number two. 
and verse number five. But by the way, you, from verse, uh, let's say, verse number six on down, roughly near, this, on through verse, this is actually was considered like a hymn in the early church that Paul writes down. It's sort of a, a song, a spiritual song about Jesus. But Philippians chapter two, verse number five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being, becoming what? Obedient to death, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Not only, not only does God come in flesh to save us, but then you think, how does he save us? The God of the universe takes on human flesh and became obedient unto death. Death on a cross, humiliation, shame. If, if that doesn't express this, this wonder of the love of God, I don't know what else to tell you. I've got nothing. That God became like us. See, you know, and it wasn't like, you ever, you ever see, I brought this up with you before. How many of you are old enough to see the old Jesus movies where Jesus kind of walked around with no expressions? Everywhere he went, the crowd just parted and he just kind of walked through them and it was kind of a ho-hum. I'm not buying that either. I, I buy that as much as I buy the away in the manger, no crying he makes, right? He experienced life. He had emotions. He experienced pain just like we do. So when he was crucified, it wasn't like he was just, well, he didn't feel the pain of it. And all the thing that he went through, what he did, he knew when he came that that was the course of action. It, it wasn't a surprise to him. It wasn't like, God came in flesh and he's doing the ministry thing and all of a sudden it dawns him, oh wait a minute, this whole cross thing, I didn't know about that. This is a big surprise to me. As a matter of fact, I don't know about this anymore. It's, even though at Gethsemane you know that it's humanity, even if you can take this cup from me, but yet the obedience to death on the cross then comes in and says, but yet not what I would will, but what the Father Obedient to death, even death on a, on a cross. That is God in flesh. Because God in flesh at Christmas leads to God on the cross at Easter. Then, then well, actually Good Friday. But then that leads to the God of resurrection on Easter Sunday. Amen. And notice in all of it, it has to do with flesh. He was crucified, and he was bodily raised from the dead. It wasn't his spirit floating around. Literally, and, and being the firstborn over all creation means this is our end too, you know that? 
that when he comes to correct all things, and he will, he came once, and guess what? He is coming again. Advent speaks to the future coming of Jesus also. And we will be made new. You're not going to be floating around the, the cosmos in some spirit-like essence for the rest of eternity. We get our body back resurrected. Amen. In the fullness of life. Amen. That's what we have to look forward to. That's ultimately the story of God in flesh. That God will make new creation of, of all things. So the questions we asked last week, what does this mean? How does this change the trajectory of the world? What does it mean for me? So you think about this, that when you come to a realization that God has come to save you, you respond to that, that revelation, that God has come, and that you call on the name of Jesus, and the Bible says, when you call on the name of Jesus, you shall be what? Saved. You know that that work of new creation already starts. Because where are you made new? Right here. How many are sitting here this morning and you're a new creation? You see? Yeah, you've been saved, you've been forgiven. You are. You are in him. The fullness of God is working through your being. Amen. And then we know then, as we just said, that there is a coming salvation. He is coming to make all things new, amen. And we have hope in that. But now what? What am I doing between now that I'm saved in new creation and waiting for his return? Well, what now? What does this mean and how does it change me? That means all the business. So, so last week, I brought up a term my wife, we went home, Margaret was just like, I didn't like that term. I brought up this term, prophetic imagination. So I said, oh, if you didn't like it, maybe there's some other people who might be not sure what I was thinking. So let, let me explain it, because we live right now in that kind of way of living. What do I mean by that? Prophetic imagination means that we begin to grasp who God is. We begin to grasp what the scriptures are saying because of who God is. And we start to get glimpses and understandings of the work of God. And how does all of that pertain to me and us? Then all of a sudden, prophetic imagination just means this. What is possible because of who he is? What is possible? Because here, here's what... When you get trapped in a certain way of living, in a certain way of life, you gotta have some imagination that's possible to get out of it. You see what I'm getting at? What have the prophets say? What does the kingdom say? What was Jesus doing and teaching? What is happening? What is possible? So let me give you some examples. I'll give you three or four examples here, just to kind of cover some, some reasons here. The kingdom of God is built on forgiveness. I mean, know that. The Bible says, forgive as the Lord did what for you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, 
when he, when he got done with the Lord's Prayer, then he said, now, guess what? If you cannot forgive others their sins, your Heavenly Father cannot forgive your sins. Whoa. Now, here's what happened. We've experienced things in our life and things have happened where we want to argue against forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. Right? We see that. That's the revelation. And we, we can say, why we don't need to forgive, why I'm not going to forgive, and why I ain't ever going to forgive. And we can argue against what we see. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all would say, I am a follower of the Word? Okay, now, okay. But forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And you go, okay. In general, I, I want to live my life by the revelation of Scripture that God has given me, right? So we kind of argue. Here, here, here's what happens. Because God has come in flesh and because he has died on a cross and because he has risen from the dead and because he is the author of new creation, you must quit arguing against forgiveness of why you shouldn't have to forgive somebody and then start looking at the possibility that I can learn to forgive. It is possible. Why? Because God is God. And what seems to be an impossible situation actually is possible because of who he is. Quit arguing against it. Start seeing how it is. The Bible, uh, the Bible throws a word out like gentleness in the fruit of the Spirit, does it not? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you realize that entire grouping of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes is possible? But yet the experiences of life and things that have happened and, and, and maybe you're an angry person who's harsh at times and you're just not sure how you can ever get out of being that way. And maybe you can argue against why it'll never happen in your life, but you got to stop arguing against it. No, that it's possible because God came in flesh and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead and therefore all things are possible because of new creation. Let's not wait for it to come. You have the ability to nuance and begin to live it in your life now by the help of the Holy Spirit. Last week we, last week we read um, from Isaiah. This, I mean, this is a big, big, huge, prophetic, big picture thing where it's turning swords, swords and spears into plowshares and pruning hooks. And you look at that and you go, I don't know about that in the world we live in now. These weapons that were formed to, to hurt somebody are being turned into gardening tools. Is that possible? Do we have to wait? Is it possible? But here's the thing about this. You don't have to figure it out for the whole world. You've got to figure it out for you. And you've got to learn how to nuance it down to your life. And then, then you'll come up against and you, you'll, oh my goodness, goodness, this situation and what about this? And now all of a sudden you're trying to nuance the kingdom into the details of your life. That's what new creation is working itself out in you. That instead of saying, that's not possible. And then I have all my reasons to support why it's not possible. And then I start going, well, if the scripture says it and the prophets speak about it, 
and Jesus said it in the kingdom. Wow. Then, then you go, oh, I need help. <laughs> I need, Holy Spirit, I need your help because I can't do this. That's the thing about the kingdom. You're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to do it alone. That if he's the one who spoke it and he's the one who's taken us there, guess what? Then he is the one who is with you because even when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit is sent. Why? To help us do what he's called us to do. Yesterday at the, at the guys thing, I, I brought up lust and talked about pornography. I make no apology for that. It ravages our world. So if there's a, a person that's caught in pornography, they may feel like there is no way out of this addiction. Oh, but, but with God, all things are possible. Well, we got guys and, and people in our church that have been through drug addiction. They'll tell you, listen, if I can get out of this addiction, all things are possible. But you got to have some prophetic imagination. If God said if it's of his kingdom, then I can live in this. Amen. So what is possible? Because of God. What is possible because you have faith the size of a mustard seed? What's possible? Well, really anything because God came in flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So we we're talking about the Psalms on Wednesday nights. If you haven't been here, I encourage you to come out for it. Uh, actually, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about the imprecatory psalms, the psalms that they pray in anger against their enemies. We're going to talk about what that's all about on Wednesday. So come on out for that. Um, I told you at the beginning of that series, if I could get you to do one thing, I could get you to slow down with God. And it was the busyness of this world. Slow down with him in his word, in his in prayer, worship, slow down. So here's the second thing I, I want. If I could get you just to believe that whatever you're facing, whatever you're trapped in, whatever you don't think can happen is possible, then we're getting somewhere. Because it's, it's new creation that can be lived out because we believe. Because remember, if I have been forgiven of my sins, I have been what? Set free also? Now think about that. If I have been set free, that means I can live free from it. Then why say I can't? Why say I'm still bound? Why say that this is just a problem I'm going to have to have the rest of my life? Why say... If you've been set free, then the work in the Holy Spirit can actually help you to live free. But you have to see it's possible. You have to believe that the, the character of Christ's likeness can dwell and live in you and through you. 
It's not easy button. It's not overnight. It's, it's not like, well, I, I prayed a prayer and everything's perfect. No, no. It is the working out of our salvation in fear and trembling, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. Amen. So whatever it is that you face, may, maybe nothing, I, that's great, but maybe for some of you there are things that you see in the revelation of Scripture you're just going, I don't know about that. I encourage you to say, okay, but, and, and throw the but in there, capital B-U-T, but, with all things, it's possible. And I'll, I'm going to be, you, 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 know, you know the prophets? The prophets came across a little crazy because of the stuff they believed. Yeah, you could be a little bit like a crazy old eccentric prophet and actually believe stuff is possible. That we don't have to stay as we are, trapped as we are, living the same old thing as we've been living. That there is, there is a possibility that you will be crazy enough in faith to believe that I can change. And this can be seen in my life. Even though my past and my history says something entirely different, my future is in front of me, and God is still working on me. Therefore, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let me see. I, I want to see some hands. Do you believe that? Okay, so here's the thing. So when you know, because I know you all are getting in your word, and you come across something, you go, oh, I don't know about that. Stop yourself and say, oh, Holy Spirit, how can this be? Help me. Or, or when you're going about your, your daily life and, you, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits you, how many have ever happened to you? It's not conviction. You go, oh, Lord, forgive me, but I want to change. How can you help me to overcome? And now, now you're asking questions that, that God's like, oh, yeah, finally. Let, let's Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in this process of him, him becoming greater and, and we're becoming less. Let's go. See, how is Jesus light in this world? He was light because he was full of grace and truth. He was light because of what he did. He was light because of the things he taught. Ultimately, he was the light, the great light, because he died on the cross, exposed to darkness. Darkness was judged at the cross. But then he leaves and he says, you guys are light of the world. Oh, okay. How are we light of the world? Because Christ's likeness is, is, is working through us. And who he is is embodied by his church. That's us. That's the church down the road and all the churches that meet in this town. We are the embodiment of the light of the world. Well, we have, to, we have to believe in possibility that we can shine and in some way reflect him or else what kind of light are we? Amen. So question, question, what does this mean? How does it change the trajectory of the world? How does it change me? You've got to ask those questions about this and see, and see what God will do in response. So, honest question, honest question. Heads up, eyes open, instead of bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going opposite. Heads up and eyes open. How many of you would be honest to say there is something in my life 
whether it's something in me or just circumstance, that it's hard for me to see the God possibility in that situation. Let me see. Anybody? Okay. Now, I want everybody, no, keep your hands up. I want everybody to look around this room. It's just about everybody in this place. You know what that means? We're in this together. We're growing together. We're helping one another. And we're going to do this together. Because we're all in the same boat, okay? None one of us is perfect. And we're all working on stuff. We all got things we got to conquer. And there's all, we all have things we have to change. Amen? And I'm with you. Me too. Like I said before, both hands and both feet if I could do it. I'll do it now. There. Okay. It was all up. 20, 20 digits. Anyways. But I hooked into something a long time ago that I believed in my messed up me, knowing me better than any of you know me, that I looked in the mirror and say, I don't have to be that way. I was honest with myself. That's not good. That can potentially be bad. That's not the best. And this whole fruit of the spirit of patience and gentleness, it's not even there. But I believe. And I've been, since, since 17 years old, on this long journey with Jesus of allowing him to do what he wants and challenge me and get after me, all with mercy and grace of sometimes picking me up and carrying me. You know what I'm saying? Every once in a while, I feel like he's dragging me. <laughs> you know, he's just, I'm just being drugged down the road. But the submission of the scriptures and revelation, then mixing it with possibility is, anything can happen. Through fits and starts, ups and downs. Amen. So whatever it is you raise your hand about, don't give up. Don't quit. Put your shame aside. Come to him again. Keep letting him do what only he can do. Amen? I know he do it because I believe God in flesh. He came to be with us. Amen? All right. By the way, in, in these processes of life, if you ever need prayer or counsel or help, Come ask. As your pastor of the church, I can't read your mind. Don't want to. But I, I, can't, I can't believe with you and, and, and uh, stand with you if, if you don't come. Okay? I don't need to know your business, but if you need help, I, I gladly do what we can do as a church. Okay? Just always know that. Oh, there's always, always an open door. And if I don't say it, just remember that. Always an open door to come for help. Amen? All right. Lord, Lord, I pray that we have the possibilities of who you are rest on each one of us. Because it's embodied that you came to be with us, to save us, to expose the darkness. The light comes into the world. But not just to leave us as we were after you left, but to, to take us somewhere to become something as we wait for your kingdom to come because we're light in this world. Lord, help us. Lord, keep us.
Lord, guide us, strengthen us. Lord, forgive us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. I pray we just walk with you. Every day we, we learn what it means to walk with you, pick up our cross, deny ourselves. So we can have life as we lose our life, the life in you, trade-off. Help us today. As, we, as we're in this, this, this season of Christmas, I pray that in the midst of everything that's happening, we're constantly reminded God in flesh has come to save us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing salvation to us. In Jesus' name, for your glory, in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before you go, I want you to look at everybody around you and say, you're going to make it. Tell them. You're going to be all right. Tell them God's with you. Tell them God's for you. All right? Amen.